This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? Welcome to episode 40 of your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the damn right bizarre aspects of life, as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, I'm joined by Luca, host of the Justified Belief podcast. Now, this guy is one of the most humble, well-read, and spoken people when it comes to scripture. He doesn't like to admit it, but this guy's absolutely dynamite in what his knowledge base is and how he can talk to it. So, ladies and gentlemen, let us welcome Luca. Welcome, Luca. Thanks, Drew. I appreciate the kind words, man. And uh, I'm glad to be on your show. Thanks for having me. And also on the uh, Conspiracy Coalition podcast, the round tables are always great. They are, mate. It's a, it's a good place for people just to swap ideas and ways of thinking about our world that is Christianity and the faith. So it's a good way to break down the word and try to understand it for ourselves because it can be so easily interpreted in multiple ways that sometimes it just takes hearing someone else's perspective or take on it for things to click for people. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree. Awesome, I mate. I'll so, uh, oh, go ahead. No, you're good. I think, you, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they actually start getting serious about their relationship with Christ, inevitably come to that conclusion. Like, it's good to hear other points of view and, um, you know, how people interpret some of the scripture. Um, I think sometimes when people are too rigid in – uh too rigid in their belief in the sense that they're unwilling to at least hear other perspective or other opinion uh, is, is kind of leads you down uh, the wrong, wrong path per se. But yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people get bogged down in the idea of religion and relationship with religion opposed to a, a mm-hmm. relationship with Christ. And that's where people yeah. come a bit unstuck. So let's start off, mate. Who are you? Where are you from? And what's your podcast about? Let's start off for the listeners. Sure, man. Um, so I'm from Florida and uh my podcast is all about biblical events basically theology but mostly focusing in on the biblical paradigm and what's happening now in the country and just in the war- on the world stage um and I also talk about you know pr- I- it's funny to call it conspiracy theory at this point a lot of it I just refer to it as proven conspiracy <laughs> now at this point you know <laughs> the, I mostly you know, for as far as the conspiratorial aspect, it's not, you know, the lizard people or, you know, the hollow earth or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> it's more like the, uh, you know, government's crimes that were actually proven, you know, at, at one point were considered conspiratorial. But later, you know, through Freedom of Information Act and all that, uh, it actually came to fruition that those things were happening. You know, things like the MK Ultra project or, you know, the poisoning of St. Louis. Um, I got one that I'm working on called the... Uh, um, Operation Northwoods, uh, which is like a false flag attack that was planned for the U.S., a whole whole, whole bunch of stuff. Um, 
one thing that I found interesting and that really uh, pushed me to do it was, uh, you know, as I became a more mature Christian and I really, you know, I really started looking into different religions and studying theology more and getting hooked into it. Uh, that's really what ultimately strengthened my belief in, in Jesus. Um, and the way it started was actually kind of funny. Uh, you know, I grew up in the Catholic church, wasn't, wasn't terribly religious. Um, you know, I kind of lost touch with God for a couple of years, decade, really. Um, then one day I heard something so egregious, like about the Bible. <laughs> I was just like, oh, there's no way it says that in there, you know? And then uh, I started reading it. And then after that, it was just when I, once I started reading it and then I started seeing like what it said versus, you know, what the church was teaching. Um, and then when I looked and I like, for instance, and not to go off into the weeds with it, but what really uh, got me questioning the Catholicism was, you know, they have their own set of Ten Commandments, which is different from what God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. And uh, they actually split the, I believe it's the Tenth Commandment, and they omitted the second. So they split the Tenth into two, replacing the Second Commandment of not having idols with the Tenth Commandment of, you know, you won't covet your neighbor's house, his wife, or his things. Um, I thought that was weird. And then when I looked at the uh, at the official like response from the Catholic Church, because I was interested to know, their response was kind of, I mean, it kind of, it was to me it was just wild they basically said and i they basically said that god contradicted himself so they they fixed it because the pope knows well, and, and you see <laughs> yeah exactly and their argument from what i was reading on the uh i forgot which one of the one of the official catholic websites catholic church websites and uh, excuse my ignorance for forgetting the name of it but if you google you know, why are the Ten Commandments different in Catholicism? It'll come up, you know? And uh, when I heard that, when I read that, I just, like, it just ruined the whole thing for me personally, because how can you get behind this book, the Bible, and call it the infallible word of God, and then come around and say, oh, God contradicted himself, so you had to change it? This is the interesting so, thing about Catholicism, that there's mm -hmm. a bit of a saying that goes... Um, not all Catholic, not all Christians are Catholic, but not all Catholics are Christian. Mm -hmm. That um, there seems to be this bit of a disconnect. It's in the overarching branch of what Christianity is, but mm -hmm. there's some major, which which I would describe as differences there. And before we get really stuck um, stuck into mm -hmm. the weeds in this one, let's go back a little bit and go back to your your formative years of growing up in in the Catholic faith. Like you said, you weren't overly religious as a child or you don't think you were. Something I always found very fascinating about Catholics, probably more so in Australia, is that we're founded by the British. So we predominantly have the Anglican Church, the Church of England. And besides that, it's Presbyterian. So the, what the, the Scottish brought over with them. Catholics, they're here. They're quite big. But Catholicism in our country really stems around more around cultural groups than I would say it is a religion. It's connected to what you consider um, the Italians when they came over here through immigration, um, Spanish, a lot of cultures or nations that really see it as a part of their cultural identity mm -hmm. more so than the faith itself. It becomes mm -hmm. a part of their their 
national identity and their their they're almost like their ethnic identity more than anything else. So for yourself, is is that a part of your background as well? Is, has it got anything to do with your, your family's background at all? Uh, I'm a little weird. Like I never, I guess I'm, I'm blessed in the, in the sense that like I, but I never really conformed easy to things around me. So it made it easy for me. It was hard telling my parents but, you know, my my mom took it well, my dad not so much because he's very, you know, he was very set in his ways. I understand the difficulty for some folks because you're absolutely right. It is like there is a big cultural aspect to it. But that's also something like I think people need to get over in the sense that when you exchange difference of ideas with people and they may not line up with your culture, people feel attacked. And I was guilty of that myself, you know. But then one day I kind of realized, like, as I was reading, studying and just, you know, kind of broadening my horizons. We all I like I never understood why you would get offended, you know, and I was one of those people like I would get offended when people had questioned my beliefs when I was Catholic. Right. Even though I wasn't overtly religion or excuse me, religious, like I would get offended. And then, you know, it wasn't until like I got older where I really had to take a step back and ask myself why. You know, why do we as people get angry and then defend an identity that was pushed onto us from birth? You know what I mean? Like you're born into something and then you automatically assume it to be true. And that just becomes like this bedrock foundation of your identity. But it's not really even your own identity. It's kind of an identity that you were born into a mold of, if that makes sense. So. You know, when I realized that, it made it a lot easier for me to kind of separate myself from, like, my Catholicism and my Catholic background and really, like, pursue the Word of God. And I know that sounds funny, and I don't, and I know a lot of people are going to get offended. But for me, religion and God, like, I always believed in a God. I just, you know, like I said, you know, for for a while there, I was kind of lost as far as, like, well, what God, you know, because there's multiple in a sense. So my firm, my firm belief in a creator was always that if there is one, I don't think like, you know, he can't, he really can't contradict himself and all these, you know, all the religions tell you to worship people differently or to worship the creator differently, I should say. But I always knew that if there, you know, if there was a God, his you know his word would have to be infallible so going back now to like what i found out about catholicism where you know you have this book that's supposed to be the infallible word of god but there's two different versions there's like a there's actual bibles that say catholic edition or catholic version and it's different you know and then you have 10 commandments that are different and your reasoning behind it is cuz okay well god contradicted himself or, you know, you have to say that his word is not sufficient enough. So you have to have all this supplementary stuff from whatever tradition or who, you know, I just, and that's where it really started to crumble for me personally. Um, so, that, but yeah. To, what does oh, that do? What does that do for someone who, because like I said, this is just from the outside looking in mm -hmm. the cultural connection to Catholicism with certain demographics is so strong. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really interesting. You see it within the Irish people. You've got the Southern Irish, which Mm -hmm. are very Catholic (laughs) to the Mm -hmm. bone. And then you've got the Northern Irish, which are um, Protestant. But essentially, they are the same ethnic group, but they're divided by the lines of theology. But they are the same people. So in your situation, do you actually... What is your cultural background? Are, are you Anglo-American? What's your what's your demographic breakdown? So my my whole family is uh, Eastern European, so firmly in the uh, Roman Catholicism. Um, there, my whole family is like ardent Catholics, and uh, a lot of them are really like deep into the faith. And I'm sure you know for and like most Catholics, you know when they feel like they're questioning it. Uh, it's like a grievous wound to themselves and their cultural identity and their families. So it's like, I, it's hard for some people to separate themselves from that. You know, I, like I said, I, I was lucky in a sense, cause you know, my, I, I just, I never really took it to heart after a certain age, you know, it was just easy for me to separate myself, but it's a challenge for a lot of people for sure. Because, you know, when you think about it, it's hard when you're being told something from so early in your life. It, like I said earlier, you know, it becomes a bedrock for your identity. So it's almost like you're, you know, you're losing your identity for some people when they question those beliefs. But to, to answer your question, yeah. So all my, my heritage, it's all Eastern European, heavily into Catholicism generationally. Um, I don't even think there's another denomination aside from, Catholicism within my entire family tree so <laughs> so it's really yeah it's really deeply rooted in there I've, I've got uh quite a few mates there's a, a big Italian population around our area mm-hmm. and I grew up with an Italian guy and he was like third generation Australian so he's as Aussie as Aussie comes but the, the cultural roots are still there I can recall him telling his nonna that he didn't believe in God and he was an atheist and that the visceral reaction from the nonna was like, oh, my heart, you're breaking my heart. Yeah, of course. Man. Well, because it's like, you know, it's your family's identity. You know, it's 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 tough depending on, you know, what what circle you, you, you come from. You know, um, it's it's hard to break away from for some people, like I said, but breaking away, I think, is worth it because it really opens up your eyes. Um I think too, when, when, uh, and I think that's part of the problem too, for some folks and what really turns them off about Christianity is because when you question these things, the reaction is always negative from within your circle, you know, that you're, you're, you're supposed to be a part of, but people really start to get offended. And a lot of questions are valid, you know? And I think I wish more people would ask the questions and search and ask why things are the way they are as far as like why their belief system is the way it is or why they believe a certain thing. Because I think, you know, for most people, they end up circling back to just and and I know this is going to sound contradictory from some other things I've said on the podcast. I don't really label myself as far as the dominations are concerned, because it's, you know, it's biblically inaccurate to do those things. But I think when people question and really look into it, you circle back to just coming back to biblical Christianity. Or I, yeah, there seems to be this. It's almost like they don't want you to to ask questions or to be curious mm-hmm. about about the faith and the word, which seems quite backwards. Because if we look at education and the way we learn, 
curiosity is one of the greatest motivators that helps you learn Mm -hmm. and discover new information. So for what I would say mainstream religions or the physical institutions, like you said, they can seem very dogmatic about asking the questions, which are almost like they would say would be an egregious sin to question the faith or the word that they see in their doctrine. It's one of the main reasons why I still consider myself denominationally homeless because I don't think I could go into any church on a weekend because I'd be the first person to put my hand up and go, can we talk about the Nephilim? Can we talk about yeah. all these other crazy types of things? Because I don't think that would go down too well. Well, that, and that's the thing too, man. I noticed a lot of religious institutions are, uh, you know, they're, they, they're, they're zeroed in belief, which, which, the way I describe it is they're zeroed in on just certain aspect, biblical aspects as being truthful and believing that, but everything else they kind of ignore, which is a shame because, you know, the Bible is just, it really answers a lot of questions. Like why did God send the Israelites around to decimate all these other cultures? You know, why, where did the de- where did demons come from? What were the fallen angels? You know, the other gods that were, talked about in the Bible as other nations were worshiping, you know, where did they come from? And churches don't really talk about that, which is, it's a shame, man. Cause like I said, I think it, some people have those questions and then rather than just talking about it candidly, cause I guess people don't want to feel like they're crazy. Um, you know, folks are given the wrong answers or just told, ah, you know, you're, you're questioning God, you know, you're heretic, this, that, and the other, but they have legitimate questions, man. So I wish more people would take the time, though, to seek answers for themselves, because unfortunately, you know, and I get it because, again, I was guilty of it, too, for a time. You know, you grow up a certain way with a certain religion or whatever your culture is, and you think you know it like you, you think, you know, what it is based off of, if that makes sense, like, like Catholicism, you automatically believe like what's going on is, is biblically accurate and sound. So when the answers aren't sufficient and you decide that it's what you're being told is just untrue, you don't actually go to check the source material to see if it was true to begin with, if that makes sense, you know? And then I think that leaves a lot of, that leaves a poor taste in a lot of people's mouths for Christianity, which is a shame because, um, it actually drives, there, I think, atheism in a lot of ways. The oh, san- I agree. This heavily mm-hmm. sanitized and controlled understanding of what the word is. Like you said, there's so mm-hmm. many elements people don't talk about or understand anymore. And I'll give you a prime example. Growing up, a non-practicing Presbyterian family at the best of things. We identified as Christian, but we didn't really go to church or anything like that or have any real family conversations about it. But I can always remember multiple times my dad having a throwaway line, which was, um, God isn't all about niceties because look at what he had Moses do. Moses went around, raped and pillaged all the different tribes in the Middle East. He killed all types of people. And at that age, I thought, oh, yeah, this doesn't sound right at all. And it kind of drives you into the idea of, well, maybe religion isn't a good thing because it it's actually for killing of innocent people. Mm-hmm. But then as you come to find out with age and as you grow and you mature as within the faith, you find out why those tribes were targeted and God kind mm-hmm. of used Moses and the tribes as his right hand on earth because mm-hmm. there was corruption. These were tribes that were um, praying to fallen gods or fallen angels. These weren't just nice, peace-loving little tribes that were left to their own mm. devices. 
exactly. And that's why people that's what people lose the the key information on. If you don't actually communicate that message on the outside, it does look just like a, a, a genocide that happened in the Bible that is mm-hmm. somehow okay. Absolutely. And the other thing too, man, with questioning is uh it's not biblically inaccurate to ask questions. And I think that's one big secret that a lot of mainstream churches like to hide. Like, you know, because Paul in his letters, you know, he talks about all the different false uh, doctrines and, you know, gospel plus, I call it, and all the, these false teachings, right? Well, like if you're, and, and that's like a valid point, you know, like if you're in one of these false teachings, well, how do you know it's false unless you ask the questions? You know what I mean? If you just go and blindly follow whatever some somebody is telling you or some religious authority or figure is instructing you, you're never going to know if what you're being told is true or not unless you go seek it for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, I, and you kind of no, went no, through ahead. that. You went through that, that you had that niggling feeling that the commandments, some were omitted, some were altered, and it was different from every other variation of, of the Bible. So you had that niggling feeling in yourself. Was there anything beyond that that made you question the doctrine of Catholicism, or was it just a, a questioning of faith in general? Uh, so it was it was a question, both, actually. So it was a questioning of, of the faith in general. But then when I started to dive into the Catholicism more and learning more about Catholicism and where it was where it dif- was different from just the regular, as you, you I guess you could call it the Protestant Bible, was really when a lot of thoughts start or doors started opening up as far as like avenues of research and what I was starting to dive into um, for a time, actually, when I like learned that about Catholicism and I saw how it was different, I actually started reading the Quran because I, like I said, you know, I knew there was a God, but now it was just like, well, which one of these works of all these religions is truly like divinely inspired, you know? And, uh, when I started reading the Quran and I all I that's when I also started to learn a lot about Islam and I started seeing that many Muslims were guilty of the same thing many Catholics were guilty of, which was not actually reading their holy book and knowing about it. <laughs> yeah. So then when I saw that, that's what I really started just reading a bunch of things, you know, and uh that's also how I started getting into reading like occult books. And one thing I had thought to myself too, cause when there was a point where, where I was like questioning, like, Oh, you know, is it, is it Islam? Is it Christianity? Is it Hinduism? You know, like I was really like questioning it, you know? And when I really started to look at like, where the gospel stands apart from everything else and what the teachings of like what Christian belief of hell is, which is very like people, people are taught like a very incorrect view of like hell and like, what is hell in the Christian circles? And like, how do you go to hell? But aside from that, so for me, when I started noticing that's where like it really like biblically, it stood out was what the Bible was saying about hell how we go to hell and how we're saved. I was starting to think like, well, maybe, maybe it is Christianity. So then I, when I started reading the occult books, I was thinking to myself, well, you know what? If God is real and the devil's real, the devil's not going to want you to know, you know, 
who you should who you're supposed to look look to for aid basically in a sense you know i was i was thinking you know the occult is not going to tell you or is not it's it's going to obscure you know the true word right so then when i started reading a lot of like these esoteric books and occult books i started seeing that they're really just talking about jesus and they're always trying to tear down christ which I've really started to find interesting because or use him or just use him exactly yep. offhand Precisely. kind of like is Islam mm-hmm. they they recognize Jesus as the son mm-hmm. of God but Muhammad is his prophet mm-hmm. so they put a, a a flesh and blood man above mm-hmm. the demigod that is Jesus like he's the son of God mm-hmm. and he's God himself some that always mm-hmm. was a funny thing for me that they they almost riding on the coattails of Christianity but adding their own mm-hmm. little bit of flair onto it. Yeah, and that was one thing I started to notice too, especially when I started finishing it, finishing it up. So th- that coupled with when I started learning about the historicity of Christ, and, and then I learned that he was like an actual historical figure. And some of the sources, one of my one of my favorites is um, Cornelius Tacitus. So he was a Roman historian. He wrote the Annals of Rome, and uh, he wrote about. Christ's crucifixion which it was what he the way it was written was it really it was it was crazy it was incredible in my opinion but um so having learned all that really set me down like this apologetics type of um of research i guess you can call it or ministry and uh that's what so i ended up getting baptized at a non-denominational christian church uh in jesus's name um, and I became a Christian and then that's when I like told my family and everybody. And like I said, I, I was pretty fortunate. My family for the most part is very, actually wholly is supportive. You know, it was really just my, my kind of my dad who was very, cause he's very traditional. Um, but everybody else is pretty, pretty all right with it, which was, which was nice. So I had that support and I know some people don't have that support, you know, so it's very hard for them to want to you know, question these things sometimes and to like make the change if if they felt it necessary. But so I got baptized and then I just like, I, that's when the hunger started, man. And I just started really diving into reading more about theology. I started reading about all the uh, uh, pagan parallels to the Bible, which I'm planning on making an episode uh, it's just a lot of information I'm gathering because, you know, one thing I hear people argue about for uh, Christianity being false or just being, you know, another man-made religion, an amalgamation of all the religions is these like uh, is the parallels, like these pagan parallel stories, like the Epic of Gilgamesh, um, Zoroasterism and all these things. But funny enough, and I, again, this is something I was guilty of, too, and it was my ignorance you know, we as people, you know, we just generalize things and it's real easy to generalize things. But when you really start to pick it apart, you really start to see like that Jenga tower falling. So people were always telling me about, you know, oh, well, what about, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't believe in the Bible because, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh and the flood story and, you know, the uh, Sumerian stories of creation and the Rudu Genesis and all this. Well, when I started to read them, I started realizing like it's only part of the story. People were generalizing a lot of the parallels, right? When you start to look at the, and again, I'm sorry, I don't mean to go off into the weeds <laughs> with it. <laughs> so I do, I do that a lot because it's so, but like when we talked about on the last episode of your uh, 
Christian conspiracy coalition, you know, this stuff just, it ties into everything, you know, and it's just a, it's a web. Like Hank said, it's just a giant, it's throwing a baseball at a glass pane and all, everything just starts spider webbing into different things. But so when you start reading the parallels from these ancient stories, they're not very specific, they're generalized. And then when you read the biblical account of the flood, it's very specific, even as far as like the time. Some of the some of these old pagan stories, the time frame for the rain, it either is not mentioned or it's seven days. A lot of them say seven days. Actually, all of that, all the ones I've read say seven days. The Bible is 40 days, 40 days, 40 nights. The reasoning behind the flood is completely different in them all, in all of them, excuse me. The reasoning for the floods and like a lot of these uh, Sumerian texts and like these old, like the Epic of Gilgamesh was because the humans were making too much. And I'm, this is a, I'm just ad-libbing it just for the sake of this conversation because to dive into it is a whole nother episode. <laughs> so like they're even the, the motivation behind God, you know, destroying them with the flood. So where the Bible is separate is the biblically it's one God. The rest of these parallels, it's multiple gods, and they're arguing. And the chief god, right, gets mad because the humans are making too much noise, dredging a canal. And that's why he destroyed them. You know, and one family was saved not because of their righteousness and because they were holy in the sight of the gods, but because they were just well-liked. The problem with it. The problem with that <laughs> whole idea of people going, oh, Christianity's just stolen these stories mm-hmm. from older tales. They try to quantify in time the word that's in the Bible as being of a certain date and people neglect mm-hmm. to realize that those, that word was an oral language story for thousands mm-hmm. of years before it was ever put into onto parchment before it was exactly. in Aramaic, before it was in Hebrew. So it's, I think it's more plausible, more logical to think that yes, all of these cultures could have similar themes and, and similar aspects of the story, because everyone's telling that same story from thousands mm-hmm. of years ago because they all remember it to some degree. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And the other th- oh, instead sorry, of just instead of just stealing it from all these different cultures, why can't it be that all these cultures, humanity at some point has, has experienced these events and it's the way it's been handed down over time has has changed slightly. Mm-hmm. I don't think it takes away from the idea that that the Bible has the what the the details of the event or that it's taken from other people i think it's happened universally across the planet all at the same time and Mm -hmm. naturally they've got different time stamps on it because they remember it differently i yeah i agree with you the one thing i i know for certain after reading a lot of these uh ancient stories is uh there definitely was a worldwide flood like and it goes back to an episode we we had i think on the first uh conspiracy coalition like I understand people sharing stories like culturally and whatnot, but for the same story to just pop up repeatedly with, for the most part, similar detail, like, you know, why, why is this the destruction of the world? Why is everybody talking about a flood? Like you couldn't, nobody could come up with something different. You know what I mean? If the story was truly 100% made up, why is the, the core theme a worldwide flood for all these different cultures? You know, and and that's that's one thing that always stuck out to me, too, even before, like, I really started going down this path. Um, It just it it just never made sense to me that we uh, we just appeared out of nowhere. As far as like, you know, from monkeys, right, 
or now like the newest scientific belief is like the uh uh the primordial soup is that <laughs> is the new theory right like it that always sounded crazy to me even when i was in school it just like i was just like i don't know it just, it just never it really just truly never made sense to me like this primordial soup and then all of a sudden an amoeba crawled up the bank of a beach and it just oh boom now we're here you know and then like when i really started looking into the philosophy of like human existence evolution for me didn't really answer it and i just want to clarify i, I don't think evolution's a, a psyop <laughs> i think <laughs> i yeah i'm actually sitting down now and reading uh uh, Charles Darwin's origin of species because it's interesting but you know I believe in evolution I just I really don't believe people are the product of evolution because if you really think about it like there's no evolutionary need for people to exist right yeah, it's you know a, and that's it's, one th- it's an end and it's an or type of question I don't think mm-hmm. you can dismiss the entirety of evolution but at the same time I find it very very hard to believe that the canine family the modern day wolf and the whale share a common ancestor that yeah millions or, of years like, ago some kind of wolf-like creature went back into the ocean and then now we've got mm-hmm. blue whales that seems yeah. a bit far-fetched for me yeah it's just it's like that that's i'm the same way with this whole new birds and dinosaurs connection like I, i'm just i'm not uh, just, i'm not i'm not seeing it that that sounds like fantasy island to me you know a bird and a and a t-rex having a common ancestor uh just i i don't know maybe i'm just maybe i really am just ignorant it just sound, <laughs> it sounds wild but it, what, it the really wild does. thing is luca that we're i think almost if we're savvy and we use the information of academia and science we can almost put ourselves in a very good position to prove the existence of god and a creator mm-hmm. using their own tools you look well, at that's... the sudden appearance of Cro-Magnon Man. Mm-hmm. Cro-Magnon Man appeared out of nowhere and decimated all the other hominid forms of humanity on the planet. Now, if you look at that through a biblical lens or a scriptural lens, let's just say Cro-Magnon Man was Adam and Eve and their progeny. Well, what were the other humanoids walking around on the earth? Are they the beasts of the field? Are they the mm-hmm. Nephilim? Are they the fallen ones that are, were existing at that time? Those are the questions that we we should propose to ourselves and see if it lines up with scripture or the the logical thought process to see if it ties in at all yeah that's actually a very interesting perspective and i never thought of it that way i I like that a lot um i think the difficult thing for people is because we're especially from like early childhood like we are regimented to believe like immaterialism like what we see is reality supernatural is fairy tale pretend world and you're crazy if you believe in it and i think that's that's the hardest hurdle for a lot of people to really believing in in god is like getting over this you know there might be things going on around us that we simply can't see and what you said about science i i think the problem for a lot of people too is they think they could only have one or the other you can either be scientific or you can be in fantasy island you know on on the bible and i think that that is a completely incorrect view for both parties because if you think of god as being this omnipotent being outside of time and space and his material creation of the world well science is just learning how it works you know what i mean the thing too is people forget science is just a tool and i know this is going to sound like a funny statement but science doesn't dis- before i say it just hear me out 
<laughs> Just listen. Science doesn't discover anything. Things already exist. Science is a tool to observe things that are already in existence that we are just not aware of, right? Yeah, science is the mechanism in which we try to understand the world around us. Exactly. And one of the the things I feel that uh, messes a lot of atheists up is they have this they have this view of, well, if it can't be scientifically proven, it, you know, it's fantasy. But maybe the just the science isn't there yet to prove it, you know, and if you only stick to what is already discovered, you can't think outside the box and truly have perspective on anything else because it's not proven already by science. You know, it's waiting to be discovered. You know what I mean? So oh, well, a great a great example of that is our understanding of how radioactivity works for throughout majority of history people encountered uranium and plutonium based Mm -hmm. like radioactive elements within the earth they didn't know why people died being around these rocks people got sick people got ill their Mm -hmm. hair fell out the nails fell off they died they thought that was a magic at the time because we didn't have the conceptual understanding of what radiation was Mm -hmm. and as soon as we developed that understanding that technological base we could understand it more but does that mean that radiation at one point was just airy, fairy, make-believe um, type of mystical stuff? It was at one sure. point. So how much <laughs> of the mystical stuff now, with the advance in technology or our understanding mm-hmm. of the world, can prove these things to be true? Mm-hmm. And I think science, there, there's a there's one book in particular, it's called Works of His Hands by Dr. Sai. Sai some I can't remember his last name. It's a really good book, but he he was a militant atheist, and he uh he describes it in his book too. He was a militant atheist from an atheistic family, did not believe in God. He's a uh, maverick in his field of I want to say it's oof, it's it's a field of biology, very specific field of biology. But he's a doctor, and he he talks about in his book how his research and once he came down to the axioms of life, in other words, like the base, base material of how life exists and it can't be divided anymore, but it has to come from somewhere. He that's when he really started believing in, in a God and he eventually converted uh, into to Catholicism of all things. But he came, you know, he he came into into a faith into the faith because he realized that it had to start from somewhere. And I think a lot of. He he also, before I make this next point, so one thing in his book he talks about is how there's a lot of scientists who actually do believe in a creator, but they keep that they keep that to themselves because they're afraid of retaliation in the sense of mockery within their uh, scientific fields, which they I mean, I see I get I get it like they're they're going to be mocked and I understand why they're uh, hesitant, hesitant to admit that they believe in a creator, but that's one thing too like that that was the latest uh the latest video i watched was uh richard dawkins and um what's uh what's it's an actor's name ben stein i think it is where he was interviewing richard dawkins and richard dawkins is like a, a, the mind of the ages i mean he's a maverick in the scientific community but it just it was almost painful to watch that interview where ben stein asked him well who you know where did life come from and you know uh he goes talks about the primordial soup and you know it, it it had a start from somewhere 
And so Ben asks him, well, who like who started it? And he he just defaults to aliens. And it's just like it was almost painful to watch him say, <laughs> oh, because al- you could see it in his face. Like he knew where Ben's where Ben was alluding towards. And it like it almost hurt him to say aliens, you know. Well, this, I think this stems back from the whole grand design theory that a lot of mm-hmm. mainstream scientists are jumping onto that there's so much within our universe, within life on our planet, that it looks as if there's a grand design at play. Mm-hmm. But they're always quick to distance themselves from a all omnipotent, multi dimensional, mm-hmm. all powerful being that's done it. They're quick to mm-hmm. go to outside intervention that it's aliens. Mm-hmm. They go from yeah. one thing to another because I think they they feel that the whole idea idea of ancient aliens or alien intervention mm-hmm. is a bit more palatable and um brick and mortar than what mm-hmm. a spiritual creation would be. Sure. I think too the biggest problem is People, you know, people often accuse Christians of having like warped worldviews or like, you know, looking through things from the Christian paradigm and then ignore other things. But I truly believe everybody does that and especially scientists. You know, I think there are definitely many scientists who their worldview is warped because they're anti-Christian or I shouldn't say anti-Christian, but anti-theist and they don't want to believe in a creator. So, you know, it really warps their view. And I just, there's a common ground somewhere. It's really just finding it. But because I understand two people's hesitation, it's just, for instance, like how old is the earth? People, you know, we're at trillion, almost, I think, whatever, whatever it is, hundreds of billions and millions of years, this, that, and the other. But then nobody really talks about the science that contradicts that. Like, there is one now, and I'm probably going to get chewed up for this because I really haven't looked into it much. But um, paleontologists have found dinosaur bones with actual tissue that was still flexible in it, right? So... That obviously the tissue can't last billions of years. Well, some scientists say, oh, no, it can because, you know, what are you alluding to? You know, a God, whatever, whatever, this, that and the other. Another I read I I read a counter argument to that of the young earth. Well, because of the dinosaur bones with the with the tissue, there was a scientist who did a uh, experiment and the experiment was literally this. They took soft tissue from some animal. I don't remember what it was. They put it in saline, right? So they dumped this thing in saline. They put it on a shelf and they come back in three years. It was still malleable, still worked. They concluded that it was the blood and the dinosaurs, the iron and the salt that preserved the tissue. And I'm just like, okay, let's be real for five seconds. You mean to tell me that you putting a jar of saline solution on a shelf for three years up, oh, we're good, guys. Soft tissue can last for billions of years in the ground, like, like, <laughs> and people accept it. But and that's that's just like it's like people accepted it now, and it's just it's it's like the idea of carbon dating, carbon dating to try and pinpoint when these monolithic civilizations existed. They've got some mm-hmm. existed 150 years ago, some that were 2,000 years, some were mm-hmm. potentially 10,000 years ago. I think it's far more than likely these all existed around roughly the same time because the carbon dating generally, you can't carbon date stone. Stone just doesn't have any carbon in it to date. Mm-hmm. So they use things around the structures. They use little fires. They use cooking pits. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is what's to say that another civilization hasn't moved in on those areas 
after the fact and were living them mm-hmm. living there. They're t- they're testing the fire pits themselves, not the structures, because there's no mm-hmm. way to determine how old they are. You throw into that the potential that large animals, whether they're dinosaurs, some people believe dinosaurs didn't exist, some people do, what have you. At whatever point, there were some very large creatures living on the earth and humans were interacting with them. We know that megafauna existed. So what went back beyond that? The Bible actually talks of large creatures. Um, uh, What's the name of it? It's the behemoth. They talk of the behemoth. So the precedents for large creatures around humanity in, in antiquity, they exist. What they were, we don't exactly know. We know there's a lot of stuff going on with the validity of dinosaur bones. A lot of them are actually pressed molds made from ground up chicken bones. So there's very few complete skeletons in the world at all. So for them to completely dismiss and say that, oh no, that's <laughs> that piece of flesh has survived that long because it was in some kind of a saline type of situation yeah. because they replicated it on a shelf. That seems so counterintuitive to the scientific model. But it fits their worldview of no God. And this is what I was alluding, or this is what I was saying before is, you know, what I always circle back to for me is, and it's it's a slippery slope because I try not to be that type of Christian who just says, well, everybody's lying. Every scientist on the face of God's earth is lying. I think that's like, I, I don't, I think that's a real ignorant view. Are they just misinformed really, that their worldview is built around something that they just, they're just not aware or they're blissfully ignorant? I think it's a combination. I don't think it's, you can say it's just one certain aspect. I really think it's a combination of it because one thing, so for me, one thing I circle back to again is, okay, well, like, that experiment with the saline solution with the soft tissue and they just accepted it as gospel. Okay. Well, bam, this is how it could have worked. It was probably the iron in the blood. You're accepting your acceptance of that. Just at face values because it fits your worldview of no God. You know what I mean? And a lot of, I feel like a lot of scientists are guilty of that. And just as that community, those ardent and anti-theists, blame christians or accuse christians of having a world uh, excuse me a warped view of the world through their biblical paradigm scientists 100 percent, in my opinion some i can't i'm not going to blanket them all but some have the same warped world view that fits their scientific paradigm right so one thing i always circle back to is at the end of the day for me Jesus, what it, he he was a real person who walked the earth. What he was preaching was counter culture to what the main culture was of the day, right? What he was preaching goes against our carnate desires and our base desires of men. But he did; he was so influential that he shows up in all these different religions and is still talked about even to this day, thousands of years later. You know, he obviously did something that was so miraculous that it makes him relevant even to this day and that people are still trying to denounce his name, right? That coupled with other things I learned about, you know, biblical prophecy and a whole bunch of things. I mean, it. I think that's that's also why it says, you know, I want, want to say it's in a, 
I want to say it's in Matthew where Jesus says, just focus on me. When you focus on Christ, because if you th- like, it's easy to get lost in all this, right? And in, in questioning it and questioning it and questioning it. You're going to drive yourself insane. You really have to focus on the bedrock. The bedrock of biblical existence is, is Jesus. And once you focus on that, everything else kind of starts coming to picture. For instance, like how it talks biblically of a coming great deception, how it talks in the book of Revelations of a one world government, how it, how when you see, and this is one thing I, I talk about a lot, actually, of what I talk about on my podcast with the conspiracies that were proven and how they all happened early in, in, in the nation's uh, formation, the, cons- the setup for that one world government started from the bedrock of this nation. So it was always a plan. You know, it's not just something that sprung up midway. This is always a plan. And it's always been a plan for the government to be replaced, or I'm sorry, for God to be replaced with the government. And I really think that's also why now you're starting to hear the whole alien acknowledgement. Cause you know, if you used to talk about UFOs and aliens being real back in the the forties and the fifties, you were labeled as a conspiracy theorist, you know, tinfoil hat wearing clown, you know, whatever. But I find it interesting now too, that what's going on, what's described in revelations, we're in the shadows of that. Right. And now we're in the shadows of this. And now, Hey guys, government says that aliens exist. Well, now what do you do with that information? I just think the timing too of the release of that information is very suspect. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it comes because, after about 10, 15 years of ancient aliens priming yeah, the majority of people for it to be socially ex- acceptable. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And, and if you think about it and I wish I could take credit for this thought, but it, it's not mine. It's from, a. Uh, it's, um, Oh God. Oh, it's uh from a guy named L.A. Marzulli. Real real he's got real interesting, interesting comments on this whole situation. So this thought is his, and I ha- I have to give him credit because it's it's brilliant how he pieced it together. You know, biblically it talks about a coming great deception that's so fantastical that even the elect could be deceived if it were possible. And it also talks about a falling of the faith in droves like many people falling from the faith and you have to think and especially because what we talked about in the beginning of this podcast how some people are so set in their cultural whatever their religion is culturally because it's their identity it's their cultural identity it's who they are something so crazy has to happen to shake people out of that religious paradigm well what would that be and la marzulli says well what happens when aliens land on this earth? Then what? And he took it a step further. He he believes what's going to happen. And I, uh, I'm on the fence with this small little sliver of it because I don't think this part has to happen. So he believes, yeah, alien at some point, and it's already been acknowledged in the government that there's aliens here uh, and, you know, there's alien technology, all this stuff, right? They're here. It's a real thing. So I think what's going to happen is, yeah, they would, there'd be like some type of public appearance, a spaceship, whatever, some spaceship lands, aliens reveal themselves. I think that's what's going to cause people to fall from the faith. He thinks that when the aliens land and reveal themselves, they're also going to reveal the avatars of all these major religions, right? So you're going to see like Krishna, you're going to see Muhammad, you're going to see Jesus, all these avatars. 
I don't necessarily think it has to even go that far because just the actual aliens themselves showing up, I think will shatter everybody. Very, I shouldn't say everybody, everybody's, but very many people's belief in, in theism. Well, that's what so. a lot of the FOIA documents, even dating back as far as the 50s and, and going forward, they all say that the government is very apprehensive about releasing information about air quotes aliens because mm-hmm. it will shake the foundations of people's belief to the core where they're actually quite afraid that there would be mass suicides. People who were so devoted to the faith, if they saw a outside intervention come to Earth and an alien that would destroy their fa- their belief in a god so much they would be driven to suicide. Those are in government documents, so that's quite concerning. But I think you're right. It's very much a situation where whether these things are alien, they're interdimensional, whether it's government technology, whether it's um, fallen angels that are behind this, something is going to be rolled out in such a way that will gain the entire world's attention in the greatest deception. A lot of people in our community talk about it as Project Bluebeam, where it's a combination of technologies and different things to create the illusion of this event happening. And mm-hmm. I think everyone's so so set on that a UFO is going to land on the White House lawn, like from movies, that that's what yeah. it's going to be. <laughs> but if they had reverse engineered or just advanced technology that civilians don't know about, and they flew a couple of big triangles or big ships around a couple of major cities around the world, that would be enough. They wouldn't even have to land them, just floating in the sky for a couple of hours and disappear. Yeah, that would shake that the foundations true. of civilization. One thing I found interesting is, uh, you know, there, so like, and I've been meaning to, and I, and I always promise my listeners on my podcast, you know, oh, this episode, that episode, and then I get sidetracked with little sub projects. <laughs> but there's an actual document, and I have it saved. And Drew, American edition over at Six Four Three Conspiracy, he has it to a copy of it. And we shout out to you, Drew. Uh, cool name. I don't know if Drew. he showed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he showed Hank yet because I haven't heard Hank talk about it. And it might have fell to the wayside briefly because I was planning on doing an episode about it, too. There is an actual document inside the FBI Freedom of Information vault where it talks about interdimensional entities and that that's what actual spacecrafts are is not interstellar, but interdimensional and that they exist in a plane around us that is unseen and they can phase in and out of this this plane of existence when you when i read that and then coupled with the fact that in uh the gospels and i i want to say it's it's either matthew or mark i want to say it's in i want to say matthew that's that's based that's pretty much where the bulk of the gospel you know of what i talk about comes from because it's very detailed when Jesus is before Pilate and he asks, who are you, you know, who are you the king of, or where's your kingdom? Jesus replies, my kingdom is not of this realm. And multiple times the Bible talks about how heaven is, is the unseen kingdom, but it is around us. And that, I mean, it says shivers down my spine, just talking about it. When you like, and it's a shame again, man, like churches don't talk about that. Because and that's that is a that is what Jesus says. He says his kingdom is here. It is around us. We we can't see it. 
his kingdom is not of this realm. And then when you read those documents, and I know that document is authentic to one because it's in the FBI's vault, right? The Freedom of Information vault. And two, the author of it hilariously, and this is why I remember it so good, he hilariously explains his um, educational background before he <laughs> talks. It, it's just so funny He's because I still remember how he words it. He says, gentlemen, I want you to know I'm an educated man. I come from, and then he lists all the universities he's attended, these prestigious universities <laughs> where he works. And then he proceeds to talk about how these aliens are interdimensional and all this stuff. And it was just, I just thought it was so funny that he had to preface it by saying he's not stupid. <laughs> well, this <laughs> is know? the fascinating thing about dimensions, right? That <laughs> these things could be, they could be fallen angels. They could be demonic entities. They are within our realm, just outside of our dimensional space. So if you think mm-hmm. about it, like you're holding, a, you have a flat piece of paper. When you hold your hand, which is it's in the third dimension, your hand will cast a shadow over that dimension. What's to say that a lot of these ships and entities that we're seeing in this realm is not just a shadow of something from the fourth dimension appearing in our realm. Mm-hmm. And it almost goes so far as in scripture that it talks about when the Antichrist appears, what precedes him is his shadow. The shadow of the of the Antichrist will mm-hmm. appear and usher him in. So what's to say all these things that we're, we've been seeing over the past, I don't know, since 60, 70 years since Roswell, What's to say that these things aren't the shadows of something as being a precursor to what could come in a great deception? That's, I mean, that's a fantastic point. And I never thought of it that way. Um, I mean, it very well could be. I just think what's important is for people to really like start breaking out of this mold that the material world is all that exists because they're definitely there. There is something that we're not seeing. And and I'm not going to pretend to understand this topic that I'm about to bring up. I, I am very ignorant in the field of quantum mechanics, <laughs> as you might imagine. <laughs> I I don't I'm not a scientist, but recently I had been reading about quantum entanglement, right? And in layman's terms, because I am the layman, scientists have noticed and they're trying to explain how so like you can have a photon, right, which is a particle of light. You can have a photon right here, interact with it in some way, and that, that same photon exists in another space in a completely separate area of our reality and is reacting the same way. When like when I read that and I started like well, first off, when I started looking into it, my brain hurt. I mean, it's a lot. But I think the explanation of other dimension i mean that that's it it's in quantum mechanics it's an understanding that like there is something unseen around us that we may or may not be able to interact with yet but it's there because and there and and again i'm totally ignorant to this but as far as i know they don't really have an explanation like they have a theory because it's mind-boggling how a an actual physical element of this world can be interacted upon in one area and then the same there's a copy of it in a separate totally separate space way far away from us that is inter- is moving in the same fashion or is acting in the same way that the one they're manipulating is acting it's just it's so incredible and when you when i heard that too 
now it just makes more sense about because you know one thing I get into debates with people sometimes uh, with you know religion and such is when you tell people like well Jesus right and it's and this is a biblical this is in the Bible Jesus is the image of the unseen God well then the question becomes well how can God be in the same place at once or two different places at the same time or you know I don't have an answer but it must it it obviously it has to exist on the same answer as how can one photon of light interact with an action being exerted upon it and another the same photon exists in a separate space and is doing the same thing you know the answers are there we just don't we don't have them yet but we're getting close um but man it's just so it's just it's it's just it's incredible man it's really incredible and i really pray like a lot more people start understanding that this material world is not it and i and that's again too why it's hard for some folks to break out of the the hamster wheel is because i think a lot of people really believe like this is it this is the only life you have once you're dead it's just it's just nothing and i just i just really i just don't believe that at the same time i think it's important to remember that the physical world which we are experiencing now shouldn't be taken for granted either. Like you talk about the unseen of like quantum entanglement, string theory and things like that. Think about something as simple as the golden ratio. And I love this as an art teacher because it really points out the design and beauty in the world around us. The golden ratio can be found in just about anything in the world. You look at a flower, you look at the form of a human eye. So many aspects of the world have the fingerprints of what I would describe as God on everything. The Mm -hmm. beauty of it, the design, the creation, everything is there. As important as the afterlife is and how there's that, there's the next step afterlife and there's, there's life beyond this physical realm. Mm -hmm. Enjoy what we've got and do not take it for granted because there's beauty Mm -hmm. everywhere. Absolutely. And, and I, man, I think, and I, I really hope more people start to start to come to terms with that, because to be on this island by yourself, thinking like this is it, it's got to be depressing and dangerous. You know what I mean? If you really think like this is it, you get maybe eighty good years if you're lucky, and then it's just poof, you know, you're gone. It, and I think that's a tool of control too. And I think that's why there's such and and again, it's been happening since forever where our society was built upon materialism like what you see is what it is there's nothing more and i think that's a tool to control people to stay you know stuck to stay stuck in this hamster wheel of work eat sleep procreate die and that's it and life really has more to offer than just that and people i i hope more people start to understand that and become a little more brave and breaking out of their shell um, and breaking out of the mold that we're pressed into to just, you know, essentially be tax slaves is really what, what we're, what we are, you know? Um, and I, and I think too, once people realize that and then they'll start to see like the institution that we have now of just like government in general is really designed to just be like our, is to designed to be our God, all seeing, all knowing, all powerful, um, uh, that's really the route we're going down. And I, and again, not to stray too far off a topic, but 
like look at what's going on in China with like social credit scores and centralized digital banking. They have the power to stop your money if you go against the political narrative, right? And that's like a that's a very dangerous precedent to 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 have set, but people think it's right, you know, and that's the problem like when you don't have that moral authority, God to compare your morality to, you start to think that whatever the group goes with is morally just and right. And it may not be. And nine times out of 10, I don't think it is because the, the, you know, the authority figures are going to want more power, right? They're not going to do anything to lessen their, their power or to lessen their grasp on, on us. So when you start to look at the authority figure as God, you know, and you start to look at the institutions of man as God, that is super dangerous because now whatever their moral view is becomes your view. It's very easy to justify like atrocious acts, you know, like that taking food away from people because they have a difference of opinion than the, than the herd. And that's other. And again, that alludes to uh, biblically in the book of revelations, where it says you will take the mark the, he the anti once the antichrist appears you know you're you have to take the mark on your forehead or on your hand that the, the uh, number of the beast the mark of the beast right you always hear christians going on about the mark of the beast this and that the significance with that passage and i think it misses a lot of people and it missed me at first until like i really started diving into this it says those who do not have the mark cannot buy, sell, or trade, right? Buy, sell, and trade. The significance of that is when that revelation was made, the technology didn't exist to enforce that. People were trading with physical gold coins or the barter system, but now the technology exists to make that possible, where if you don't do something, Whatever the government wants, you can't buy food, you can't partake in commerce, you can't do anything. And that is so significant, coupled with the fact that it's already happening in some countries, mainly, again, China, with the whole social credit score, their centralized digital banking currency, um, their money is all electronic, you can just shut, they could just shut you out if they want. And I don't, I really wish more people would see the significance of that, but they're so stuck on this. Well, there is no God. This is it. The government is my God. So what they do is right and morally just. So I'm going to follow them type of thing. They really don't see like how oppressive that system is about to be. And that is going to be oppressive. Well, it's not I... oppressive if if you agree with it, but for people who'd want to live their life a different way, they just look upon people like me with contempt and as an unredeemable, and it is what it is if my life is hard. And, and that's, say, just, that's just a sad reality. And I, I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Sorry, mate. That's right. And it's it's these people that are bringing these systems in place. that They may try to put it out that the system doesn't need a God because big daddy government's kind of taken mm -hmm. its place. But these people seem to really believe in the other guy. And the only way they can get their guy into our realm and running the show is to bring about the end times mm -hmm. faster. And what a better mm -hmm. way to bring about a system that is reminiscent of the mark of the beast. If they can bring in mm -hmm. CBDCs, maybe a chip, something like that, that actually mm -hmm. stops your ability to buy, trade, and sell, that's a big issue. Um, mm -hmm. Because really, they're they're almost 
bringing it about so they can have their their big piece on the chessboard. They want their their guy here because really, end of the day, they know both sides exist. They've just chosen their side. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, the other thing too, and churches really should talk about it, is in Revelations, it also explains like when the Antichrist reveals himself and takes his seat in the temple profaning it, like we're going to start seeing more supernatural things happen. And that's why it's so important as a Christian to just be grounded in God's word. So that way you don't get, you don't get deceived and you understand that these things are going to happen and to not fall for them and just cling fast to, to, to the Lord um, because he is coming back. And that's really what this is all about is, is it really is about Jesus and his return. And that's why you see. So, and, and, and that's the other thing, like, Society now at a foot is so hell bent on trying to disprove Christianity and the Bible and the validity of the Christian religion. I just feel like, why do you have to work so hard at some to disprove something that you already think is inherently untrue, you know, and especially all this stuff coming out of Hollywood with the, with the, uh, you know, masquerading around as demons and all this occult symbolism. And it's like, it's really not pretend for some people. Actually, most of them, I don't think it's pretend for any of them, honestly. I mean, they I really believe they believe in that stuff because it's at the forefront of all of our social media. Or, I'm sorry, not our They're social media. They're just flaunting media. it at this stage, aren't they? Exactly. And you're exactly right. And that's exactly what's going on. And it's just, to me, it's just like out of all the things you can flaunt and uh, put your mark on and be a part of, like you choose that like demon demons the occult like it's just it's just too much coincidence for me to believe that it's all nonsensical like well, and and for oh, and it goes back so far to like in anything we, we mm-hmm. would consider uh mainstream media or entertainment it's been happening a long time are you familiar with the book childhood's end by arthur c Clarke, written in no. 1953 sets a very very um ominous tone for what the great deception could be in regards to aliens air quotes um i'd suggest read the book but it has been a childhood's end it's a science fiction work um fantastic book but it has been adapted into a a television movie in recent years so i'm i'm going to put it out to you I, i love breaking down movies and because of your wonderful take on scripture i think you should go away watch childhood's end the film the television show and come back and let's discuss what we see in it because it's putting so many um gnostic satanic type of themes in this film under the guise of science fiction so much to the point i have to give this away now it's because you'll see it anyway the aliens are stereotypical demons they look like demonic entities yeah That's that's that that's one thing I think about too is like, and I've brought it up on the sh- on different podcasts, ma- mainly yours. You know the Christian conspiracy. Nobody like if you really think about it, like you don't really know what a demon looks like. We have an idea because of cartoons, because of culture. You know the devil's always wet, you know his little pitchfork and running around with his horns and you know looking like the devil. But you know biblically he was an angel. He was one of God's throne bearers. He was an angel. And he was glory. He look. He's got glory like an angel, and, and so God's do the most fallen angel too. Yeah, exactly, man. And 
again, and I just go back to this is why it's so important to like read these things for yourself. And for anybody who's listening out there, I don't, I don't know if you have many atheists who listen to your show or people who don't believe like you don't, I tell people all the time, you do not have, don't listen to what I'm saying. Don't take it as gospel, go out and seek the information yourself because it makes a bigger impact when you're reading it for yourself. You know, I share my whole premise of sharing and like why I'm jumping into the podcast anyway. Um, and really focusing in on it is, you know, as a Bible believing Christian, we're called to spread the gospel. If people want to hear it or not is completely up to them. We're not called to force it down their throats. We're just called to preach. This is how I preach is through this outlet of my podcast. If you don't believe it, it, it is, it's all good, but at least look into it. Because when you start really reading the finer points of the Bible and what it says, like this all really just starts to drop into place and you really start to realize like what it's all about. And where demons come from is they're just fallen angels. So it would make sense that they look like they look angelic almost. Yeah, well, and a lot of my listeners know that I didn't start this podcast necessarily as a Christian, but I went that far down the rabbit hole and found Christ because there's so much evil mm. and disgust and wickedness in the world of what we see these elites doing that I tell my listeners who aren't religious or don't consider themselves Christian, you don't have to believe in what I've got to say, but you should be concerned that the other side believe what they've got to say. They mm-hmm. believe it. You may not believe in a God or a, or a devil, but they believe in a devil and he's their God. And that should be really concerning for anyone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's that's a point that's missed on a lot of folks, man, is the occult believes. Uh, OK, well, let me not generalize it because. Some so like some esoteric teachings and some occult, right, I can't say they necessarily believe in Satan. They just believe in like an aspect of the universe and like this divine universe. Right. Then there are ones that do believe Satan is God. I think where the mix up comes from, and I'm going to clarify this right here for folks. And again, read it if you don't believe me. If you look at the satanic church, right? The one that was founded by um, Anton LaVey. Anton Le- yes, sir. Anton LaVey. The satanic church's symbol, the image of the Baphomet, was actually adopted by them from an occult scientist. His name was Eliphas LaVey. He actually designed the image of the Baphomet to basically, uh, oh my gosh, I'm the words escaping me right now. To visualize, to visualize what the unit, the powers in the universe would look like. Like that image is supposed to be an amalgamation of the forces in the universe. The Satanic Church adopted that as their image of Satan. The reason I say it's important to make that distinction is so people don't get fixated on the devil looking like this evil, you know, goat headed deity. He looks friendly and that's what makes him so dangerous is he he was an angel. So he is he is not going to look like this demonic goat headed deity. I at least I don't think. I mean, that's really the conclusion I've come to. And that's what makes the, uh, you know, Satanism so dangerous is because it's going to look like this safe 
packaged gift of, oh, you know, knowledge and thing, the hidden things God didn't want you to know about. <laughs> and really it's, it, yeah, it's super dangerous. And it's just, I think too, is some people, especially those who are part of the satanic church, like Anton LaVey did that as a mockery to Christians that I don't even, I really don't think like many Satanists in that church actually believe in Satan. And I, I remember, I think there's like an actual interview of Anton LaVey talking about that too. What people need to look into is the temple is set. That, so Anton LaVey, he had a partner. I want to say, I think they were partners or he may, he may have been just a member of the church of Satan. His name was uh, Michael Aguino. And if you never heard that name, Google it. He believed in satan and worshiped him and he actually founded the temple of set and that and i haven't read that book yet because it's it's just i have a long reading list that's one i'm coming to read that is like that sounds like it's real deal from what i've read real deal like sat satanist satanism and luciferianism if you look up luciferianism they worship the devil for real and when I say the devil, I don't mean like the pagan gods in the Bible. Like when they were worshiping demons, I'm talking about the devil, like Baal, Beelzebub, the devil. And it's, it is crazy. And then if you start to read, so, and I tell throw out a big book list at you. <laughs> so if you, do, if you want the highlights, I have an episode um, on my podcast. I want to say it's like two or three. I, I can't remember the title because it was so long ago. There's a book from a guy named Kurth Barker. And this is really where I started to believe in like Satanists. And I started seeing satanic practices around us in our society. There's a book from a guy named Kurth Barker. Super interesting. It's called cannibalism, Satan or cannibalism, blood drinking and high adept Satanism. And he's got two or three books about this topic. So he is, a, is a, uh, survivor of childhood satanic ritual abuse i read his book i i believe a lot of what he said so let me back up when i read his book i went in it skeptical right as i do with a lot of things rightfully so because you have there's a lot of lies on both sides of the fence right you have to approach things with some skepticism so you don't get this fooled or deceived I approached his book with skepticism, read it. I believe a lot of what he says. Some I didn't really believe. I thought maybe I, I was like, eh, I don't know. What was interesting to me and what why I started to really believe in a lot of what he said after the fact was I read his book. I read another book called Down the Rabbit Hole. Can't remember the author's name, but it was a similar situation. He was a survivor of ritualistic satanic abuse read that read another book can't remember the name of and then i read a book and i have an episode of this on my podcast as well tying it all together it's called the franklin conspiracy or i'm sorry the franklin cover-up by john DeCamp, who was a former u.s senator back in like the 60s i want to say 60s or 70s he exposed a huge pedophilic sex ring satanic sex ring where a whole bunch of politicians and a whole bunch of very influential people were wrapped up in. 
the significance of these three books and why I brought them up is because they were all written at different points and they didn't know each other. And when you see the themes of what they talk about and how it all lines up, that to me provides a lot more realism to what they're writing about. If that makes sense, because you have three different people who don't know each other from three different points in time talking about the same thing and the same themes are popping up. That to me says that it's real, that it's not it it is not pretend it is not make believe. And then coupled with what you read in the Bible about how these uh, devil worshiping groups were sacrificing their children, uh, they were committing cannibalism, they were drinking blood. It was all for the devil worship and now in modern times we're reading the same thing and the significant thing with that book and i really recommend if out of all these books read the franklin cover-up when you read that and then you start to see the parallels with what happened with the whole jeffrey epstein thing you are willfully being ignorant to say that that stuff does not exist at the highest levels of office or the highest echelons of powerful individuals in this country. You're just lying to yourself. And this ties again to what we're seeing now with what's going on in society, with people, uh, you know, trying to tear down Christ. This is all, it's all biblical. This is all biblical. It has to do with Jesus's return. It has to do with the kingdom of light and dark has to do with, you know, the powers that we're fighting, the, uh, the spiritual forces that we don't see, it's all biblical and it's it's coming it's coming to a head and it's just a matter of time. And I really hope more people start to dive into this stuff and not be scared. I mean, it, it's a comfort like it, I'm comforted by the fact I know that at some point it's all going to end in the sense of that, you know, our king is coming back. That's the whole Christian paradigm. Jesus comes back brings the kingdom of heaven here on earth to rule for those who want to be part of his kingdom eradicates evil and this corruption once and for all. And we don't have to deal with it anymore. It's a comfort. I mean, yeah, getting there is going to (laughs) suck. Like there's going to be a lot of terrible things that's going to happen. It just, it is what it is. But what is, what does Jesus say? It's just birthing pains. And he talks about how just like in birthing pains, you know, with contractions, worse and worse things are going to happen in shorter and shorter intervals. And then it's just going to break off. So it's, 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 I I think every generation says that, but I tend to think with the way things are escalating, mm -hmm. especially within the last five years that we're probably Mm -hmm. on the, on the track to that happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Geez, we've gone down some rabbit holes today, Luca. Yeah. Well, just one more thing. Go for it. I don't be good. I just want to just one more thing I want to interject is yes, you're correct. Like generationally, I think people think the same thing has happened. I don't think it's happened on this grand of a scale. And if you read the, uh, so the Paul, the Apollyon letters, I can't remember which one now off the top of my head, but Paul, one of Paul's letters he wrote was to, one of the churches, I can't remember off the top of my head. I hate myself right now for forgetting. <laughs> but things were so bad during their time that they thought the same. They thought they missed the rapture. They thought that, that, that what did Jesus come back and did they miss it? Are they being punished? Paul had to clarify for them because things were bad that scripturally the mark of when like the start of all the bad things is when Israel becomes a nation again. That was like a prophetic statement. Israel became a nation again in 1948. 
And I think from that point moving forward, we haven't seen all these things as, as an amalgamation at the same time, but we're seeing it now in our modern time. Yeah, so, I'm just anyway. I'm, I'm just waiting for the third temple to be built. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, going to be that's, that's going to be the one. final one. That's going to be a big ticket item. Yep. And that's the, that's another one is that temple being built. There wasn't another temple there since 70 AD, and now they're talking about doing the third temple, just like the good book says. Yeah, it's <laughs> all comes around, doesn't it? All right, Luca, yeah. where can listeners find your awesome work? Well, you guys, I'm pretty much pushed out to all streaming platforms. The most, uh, or the best one, I should say, is definitely Spotify. So definitely just check out the Spotify. What I say interests you. Uh, it's it's good information, and I try my best to cite all the sources. So you got you you know folks can go and read it themselves and check it out for themselves as well. Uh, I also got a YouTube channel. Trying to spice that one up a bit. It's mostly just the audio from the podcast. There's a couple of. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple uh, good videos on there, especially one about uh, Freemasonry. Um, and I had the pleasure of getting hooked up with a, a former 33rd degree Freemason. And for anybody listening who wants to learn about Freemasonry, this is not my uh, series on Freemasonry is not a smear campaign. It's just a it's a genuine objective look at what Freemasonry is and the doctrine. So if you want to know why it's considered anti-Christian, or um, so I should say non-Christian, why it's considered non-Christian, why it conflicts with Christian beliefs, and you know why you can't really be a Freemason and profess yourself to be a, a Christian and a Christ follower, definitely check that series out. Uh, Mike is coming back. We had uh, a small hiatus because of uh, different projects I'm working on and he's working on, but he will come back for that. And it's a, it's a great series, so definitely check it out if you have that interest. Awesome. And as I said, if you're a listener who doesn't really consider yourself religious in any form, still important to pay attention to these conversations because you may not believe in the good side, but the parasite class certainly believe in the bad Mm -hmm. side. And on that note, I'll catch you all next time. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. It's closing time. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. 